0: This morning we're in First Chronicles chapter 11. Oh sorry, not First Chronicles. <laughs> Come hang out with the Churchills for a few days. You'll have First Chronicles 29:11 on the brain. They've been fun. But we're in Acts chapter 11 this morning. Entitled This Morning, Christian. You might be like, Why'd you do that, Pastor? I'm already a Christian. What's unique about that? Well, I want to make sure you're a Christian. Um, I enjoyed last week's study in chapter 10. Uh, chapter 11 is kind of a continuation of it. Uh, we got reports of Caesarea, or uh, from Caesarea, they make it all the way down to the headquarters there in Jerusalem these reports that are coming, they might be like, well, what's going on? You know, Peter, (laughs) you know, he's going to retell the story for us this morning is what ends up happening here. So let's just hear it from him again. And really, what's Peter going to tell him? Hey, I went to this guy's house, Cornelius, and, you know, I ate with some Gentiles because God told me to. I mean, what else can this guy really say, you know? But have you ever had a difficult time explaining what God has asked you to do to somebody else? You know, sometimes I think that's just a hard thing to do because there's times where God speaks something and it resonates with your spirit. is so crystal clear what God's up to and what he's wanting. But to explain that to somebody else, how do I do that? <laughs> you know. Um, so let's pick it up with Peter here in Jerusalem. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went into the uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object ascending like a great sheet let down from heaven. By four corners, and it came to me. And when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, No, or not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before me from the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. And we entered the man's house, and he told us, How he had seen an angel standing in the house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you the words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us in the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord How he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. And aren't you guys thankful? Father, we just want to pause and just thank you, God, for this great gift of salvation to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. God, thank you so much for your grace, for your love, for your sacrifice. So did you guys catch what they're complaining about in verse 3? You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. So that was really their issue. And God was doing so much more. And brothers and sisters, I think we get so caught up in our drama, our stuff, our issues, that we miss the big picture. What's really going on? And I just want to encourage you, don't get pulled into it. Okay? A brother and sister's going through something, point them to Jesus. Help them see that there's eternal things going on. This is so easy to start tripping on the stuff here and now. So what's going on here? Well, verse 14, this really kind of pops out. It says, In all your household, hey, Peter's going to come. He's going to tell you guys what you need to know in order to be saved. Okay, There's a lot of people that need to be told (laughs) how to be saved. Well, it says here, all the household, and this kind of really intrigued me, so I spent some time looking into this. This is really known as a people movement or mythology. Um, when a whole family or whole group makes a decision for Christ, it's a foreign concept to us. And it's because of the culture in which we live. You know, Do you think it's uh, valid when you hear this happening today, that, hey, somebody came to faith in my family, now we're all saved? It doesn't really happen. We don't hear of that a whole lot, and it's because of culture. You see, uh, in many communities, the whole family does what a dad ever is doing. Okay, dad's doing this. We're going to do that. We don't really see that happen. I do see it in Latino families locally here. I've seen a father come to faith in Christ and the whole family because they have that rich cultural background. But for most of us, that's not the case. A few years back, uh, they were talking about the Dalits, the untouchables in India, and possibly the Lord's saving 250 million plus people. I mean, the gospel is just sweeping through these people like crazy right now. And the reason why we see so many coming to faith in Christ in India is because, hey, we do what Dad does. <laughs> That's what's happening. A lot of these men are sharing the gospel with their friends, other men. They're getting saved, and a whole family's result is coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. So, Peter here, okay, he's not trying to figure out theology. What's going on? I have to make sense of all this so I can explain it to everybody. Instead, he just tells his experience. You know, sometimes we want to you know, make, make it make sense for everybody else to explain what God's up to. And sometimes, guys, we just call to testify. Hey, Don't know what God's doing, okay? As we read our memory verse this this morning for next week's study, but there's a truth in there. God's ways are higher than ours. We don't always understand what he's up to, and that's okay. What we get to do is just share what God's doing. This is my experience. This is what God did. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but this is what he did. I can't deny it. So this is what Peter's doing. He's just sharing his, you know, Uh, experience just a normal conversation hey guys this is what happened it's not heresy but experience kind of like the blind man one of my favorite chapters in the bible is john 29 you guys if you're not familiar with it read it you will laugh your butt off like it's just hilarious anyways in there he says whether he's a sinner i don't know (laughs) i was blind but now i see it's just like that's my i don't know but what i do know is god touched my life god did this thing that's all i know And sometimes, guys, that's all we need to say. This is just what God did. So I also want you guys to note in verses 12, um, 15 to 17 too, uh, he explains why he knew it was God. So it it was a God thing, and he was able to explain how it was God. So one thing this teaches us is when God is doing a new thing, really how we should respond to it. Because people don't like change, do they? They really don't. Okay? That's why it's so easy for churches to become traditional. This is what we do. This is what we've always done. So listen. Get facts, not heresy. Sit quiet, test, and hold fast. That's what we should do. right? 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Test all things, hold fast to what is good. So when you see something happening in the name of Christ... Sit back, (laughs) take it in, test it. Is it good? Does it line up with Scripture? All right. But God hasn't done that that way before. Don't put God in a box, guys. Okay, we got a big God. As long as it lines up with Scripture. See, Christians need to test what they hear and they read by comparing it to the Word of God. That's all we're called to do. And this is difficult, but it is possible for a spiritual believer each Christian has a responsibility and the responsibility really to do it. Uh, some have more discernment than others. Uh, they're also um, discover we, you know, what is good, okay, in harmony with what God has given us in his word, right? That should be retained. We should hold to those things, right? Um, so be discerners, guys. I feel like that's one thing that's really lacking in the church today. There's a huge lack of discernment. seems like anything goes. This or that, and bleh, for whatever reasons. Guys, look to the Scriptures. If you don't know, take the time to study it out. Stop being lazy. Don't call me up. Pastor, what do you think about this? Guys, I don't have it all together. I don't have the answer for everything. Okay? I know I don't get everything right. That's why God's called us to study to show yourselves approved to God. How do you do that? rightly dividing the word. Get in yourselves. Okay, God's given you a brain. Use it. Discern. Pray on these things. Also, uh, there's a a cool little note that we can take. Peter's Trinitarian backup is laid out here. The Holy Spirit came upon them, just like us in verse 15. And then he said, Jesus said that John baptized with water, but should be baptized with the Holy Spirit in verse 16. And then he says, God gave the... Gentiles, the same gift. So it's kind of cool the Trinity laid out there. Um, So let's go on. Uh, Verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with purpose of heart, and that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And Barnabas departed to, uh, departed to Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So it's been so cool going through the book of Acts with you guys because we're starting to see things come together. These different characters, places, the working of the Holy Spirit. We're starting to see things unfold and it's just beautiful. Uh, just what God's doing despite all the hardship and persecution. Things are shaken out. People are coming to salvation. Christ is being exalted. Love it. So, two different churches play a primary role so far in the book of Acts. First, we have Jerusalem, which was led by the apostles, comprised mainly of the Jewish believers. And then we have the second church here in Antioch, which was established by the Hellenists. Those are uh, Greek speaking Jews who had fled uh, Jerusalem after the martyrdom of Stephen, which we saw back in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Now Antioch, uh, Syria, okay, it's about 300 miles north of uh, Jerusalem, it's on the Mediterranean coast there. It was the third largest um, city in the Roman Empire of the day. Okay, of course you had Rome and Alexandria, but then you had Antioch, it was huge. Um, And it really became a place for many of the Jews during the dispersion. That's where they settled. And we're told in verse 19, Now those who were scattered after persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word uh, to no one but Jews only. So to Jews only, well, they obviously settled where? In Jewish quarters within these cities. That's how people would settle when they'd come. Hey, I'm a Jew. (laughs) I'm in this new city. Where am I going to settle? Oh, hey, here's other Jewish brothers and sisters. Let's go live there. So it is estimated at this time there's about a half a million that lived um, in Antioch. Uh, 25,000 were Jews. So no attempt to reach the other 475,000 Gentiles. That's the thing that gets me here. Hey, we're just going to go and preach to our own peeps here, even though there's 400,000 plus other people that still need to hear about Jesus. Well, that's until verse 20. Don't you guys love it? I love it. So what do they do? They share their faith, verse 20. They are grace-filled, verse 23. And they are generous, in verse 29. And what a great definition for anyone who calls themselves Christians. Pretty simple. So the Antioch church becomes the great beachhead for launching the missions to the Gentile world. So Paul really adopts this church as his church, his spiritual home, in verse twenty-two, the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Okay, and don't you love when you hear what God's doing in other churches? I love it. I love it. The Thiles are in town visiting. I got to chat with them just for a minute. But what I'm really excited about talking is, hey, what is God doing with you guys? What's going on in Arizona? Like, I'm excited about that. I love you guys. I don't know what's going on with you, but I'm more excited. Like, what's God doing with you guys? What's he up to? And that's the thing that's so cool about the Lord. He's up to so much, you know? I got together with seven different pastors this week, and I got to hear just different things that God's up to right here in the valley out to New London, you know? God's doing things, and it's exciting. So I guess it always looks different, Okay, but look at his assessment. Look at verse 23. So, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that we purp- or purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. So, we witnessed the grace of God here, okay, there. Um, he also was happy for them, he encouraged them all as was his name in nature, right? And he told them with purpose of heart that they should continue, which means if you have an NIV, he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Okay, people are going to come and go in our lives, okay? But when we bump into people and we see a brother or a sister, I want to be like Barnabas. I want to be an encourager. Okay, that's what we should, it's like keep on, you know? Keep loving Jesus with all your heart. That's the only thing that matters, okay? Keep loving Jesus. Verse 24, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Love that. So not because what he did, but who he was. See, he was a man of character, all from within. So a source of character, how does that come from? Well, it's all of grace, isn't it? Okay, we are what we are by the grace of God. Very clear. So we are so apt to associate Pentecost uh, with the miracles that were being done, being seen, all the marvels. But we really fail sometimes to realize that God gives of His Holy Spirit just for ordinary, ordinary life, everyday life. Don't take that for granted, guys. I was thinking this week, you know, what if it's more spiritual to hear from the Lord? and just obey than for miracles to happen. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think that's a miracle in itself. If we just do what God's asking us to do, just to trust Him, to obey Him. So we ask, why isn't God working in such and such a way in our church anymore, when He might be trying just to work in ordinary life? What is He doing right now in your life What is he asking you to do to be faithful to? He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. The need today is not so much a clever men as for good men. The need today is not men full of themselves, but men that are full of the Holy Spirit. The need today is not for those who will Just take God, but those who will take God at his word. And Barnabas was a normal guy because we see in verse 25 and 26, he needed help. (laughs) You guys know we need help, we need each other. It's part of the reason why we're called to fellowship, bear one another's burdens. God calls us not to forsake the fellowshipping together, which is the manner of some. We shouldn't do that. We need each other. We need to be there for one another. So what does Barnabas do? Well, Paul was in the area. right? Let's go to Cilicia and and grab Paul. Verse 26, right? And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So we see all this stuff unfolding quickly. Paul and Barnabas are teaming up. They're going to go on some mission uh, trips together. Um, this you know, revival starting to take place in Antioch. And it's the first place they were called Christians. This is the first time the word Christian comes up for us in the New Testament. Um, Christian, the suffix, I-N, okay, which means belonging to, coming from, or being involved, or being like something, right? So why not his personal name? Why aren't we called uh, jesus ins? <laughs> You guys ever think about that? Why Christians? Why not Jesus', Jesus sins? Um, well, what does Jesus mean? He shall save his people from their sins, right? So he desires not just pardoned crimin- criminals, criminals. There we go, criminals. Ask a guy who worked in jail for six years. <laughs> Um, but really, he wants us to understand that we're just privileged children. That's why we're called Christians. It's our standing in Christ, who we are. Christ, anointed one. Okay? Anointed one. Christians, right? So this anointing which you have received from him abides in you. 1 John 2:27. Okay. We have this anointing from God. This is who we are. So names so far have been believers. Okay, Faith is a foundation for all other relationships with God. Okay, Christians have been referred to as children. Our relationship, we become children, sons of God through faith. It really states our standing or our position. Disciples, so those learners, teachable, under instruction. Saints. Separation from uncleanness and ordinary life to what? To God, right? Consecrated to God for His use. All true members uh, are called this, not just some church deeming you worthy of sainthood someday. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. I think that's pretty cool to think about. Um, also, we have seen Christians called servants, which speaks into His possession or His slaves, uh, referred to as the faithful. Uh, reliance on God, those who are devoted. Uh, Also, brethren, one father, common life, common interests, common love. Uh, Friends, a friend of God. You guys know who the first man or the only man in the Old Testament referred to as a friend? Abraham, friend of God, right? You guys know us all New Testament (laughs) believers? We're all friends of God. Isn't it so cool what Jesus has done? We're also referred to as the beloved. So that's a special personal affection. We're also referred to as heirs. Okay, so including all the possessions that Jesus owns is ours. We're referred to as his own. I love that. So we're God's special possession. Okay, maybe you don't feel special or loved or cared about. You are. Okay, you are his own. And then Christians used eight times in the New Testament. Some say it in derision, while others say that it's divinely given by God. So if you were asked, are you a Christian? You could answer and say, I'm a believer in Christ, a child of God, a disciple learning of Christ, a saint consecrated to God, a servant working for Christ, I am faithful to God, one of the brethren, and a lover of the brethren, one of God's friends, his beloved, his heir, his very own. Wouldn't that be great to tell somebody when they ask you, Hey, are you one of those Christians? Yeah, I'm a believer in Christ. I'm a child of God. Wouldn't that be awesome? So, do that. (laughs) So, Christian. um, Unfortunately, words... Take on other meanings over time. Um, kind of like baking soda. You put it in your freezer. What does it do after a while? Takes in all the bad odors <laughs> of everything else, right? And it takes on those or- odors itself. Um, or when a coin has been used so long that the, impre- the impression is almost effaced. Okay? So words are kind of like um, Coins. Um, so Christian, a Jew might think of Hitler. He claimed Christianity at one time. And Christian, a Muslim might look and think of the Crusades. Christian, um, a foreigner might think Donald Trump or Madonna because they're Americans. Christian, an unbeliever believer might think of a bad example. Uh, he or she had seen and name only. So Christian carries a lot more with it today than it did, I think, 2,000 years ago in Antioch. Uh, Joseph Parker said this, By Christians, I understand Christ followers, Christ lovers, Christ worshipers, Christ ones. I like that. If derogatory, then it would be like the Moonies, right? Disciples of Sun, Young Moon, or you had the Quakers. Officially, they were called the Society of Friends. Uh, George Fox, when uh, he, he was the founder, uh, when he was arrested, uh, he told the magistrates, you know, you better be Quaking before the Lord, <laughs> right? And that's when Justice Bennett responded, get this Quaker out of here, um, We have the Methodists. The term Methodist was a judgmental term given to a a small group of students who were at Oxford, uh, like the Wesleys, who met together and they focused on Bible study uh, methodically uh, and approaching the scriptures in such a way um, and how to live as Christians. Um, So, the New Testament idea of Christian here um, every Christian is a convert. Okay, no compromises. Every um, um, <laughs> a convert, there, there's no substitute to it. Um, every agent, a fully consecrated or intensely uh, vitalized worker. There were no lukewarm ones. Okay, uh, Every worker endowed with power from on high. Okay? So these were really separated, <laughs> uh, called out. So how do you like the term Christian today? How do you like it? I don't like calling myself a Christian. Not that I'm ashamed of God in any way. Uh, I've always liked a follower of Jesus. You know, I follow Jesus instead of the title Christian because it says you're going somewhere, you're following someone. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah. Let's look at verse 27. We'll wrap this up. There's some relief that now comes in Judea. It says, In those days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. And this they also did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. In a group of prophets, um, verse 27, this group of prophets here, kind of like the Old Testament school of prophets. They're all hanging out together. We're, We're prophets here. Uh, this Agabus in verse 28 predicts this famine, which did occur. It was confirmed by a number of ancient historians, um, different Roman guys, such as Suetonius and others. Uh, even the dates uh, correctly in uh, chronologically, according to the Roman Empire of the day. Um, but in verse 29 uh, is why Luke puts it, Uh, This here, to show that the Gentile Christians in Antioch participated in famine relief efforts. Okay, Isn't it cool the Holy Spirit inspired that little fact? Here's a reason that we put this in here. Christians, we should be there for others. When tragedy hits, we should be a part of the solution, a part of the help. I love that. So they were generous givers, and that's something that the church should be known for. Um, yeah, one of the things I think it would be really cool. Um, rapture's been on my mind a lot lately. Um, we don't know the day or the hour, but things are just shaking out. Um, Israel was established in 48. That generation, <laughs> they'll see. They will see the coming of the Lord. Uh, that could be any day, guys. We just don't know. We know the times and the seasons. We know the end is. A lot closer than uh, <laughs> not too long ago. Uh, but in that, guys, uh, one thing I'd love to see is that the church, especially here in America, we're one of the few nations that's referred to as a Christian nation. Uh, the church has been so influential throughout our history uh, in establishing you know, relief efforts, hospitals, uh, university, the arts. There's so much uh, that Christians have done Uh, in America here. But as we are shifting much of how we do things uh, today in this country, our our government is getting bigger and bigger all the time. We're paying more and more taxes because they're going to fix everything and make everything okay for everybody. Uh, Christians are still called to be there for others. We can't just say, well, the government's going to take care of that. That's part of the reason why we have the Freedom Center Food Pantry. There's other pantries. Okay, But there's a need. The place that God had for us to do this is in the largest poverty pocket in all of Appleton. Like, hey, I want you guys right here with the poor of the poor. (laughs) Right there. Love on me. Share my love with others. And he just keeps blessing that ministry. But I believe he wants the church to be a part of those relief efforts because in that, there's a great opportunity to share the good news. Because let me tell you what, at least one thing I've learned and seen in my life is there's a lot of people that want nothing to do with Je- anything to do with Jesus until a tragedy hits, and then their hearts are finally open. And if we're counting on the government to show up during that time and help those people out, I'm pretty sure the gospel, the good news, is not going to be shared during that time. And I've seen people come to Christ through tragedy, and that's where we should be. That's why I love when a Katrina hits. You know, my wife. Hey, I want to go. She went down there with a group of other believers and got to help, got to bring some relief, got to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Things are going to come up, and we have that opportunity. But I love that the Holy Spirit inspired for us here this morning. This is just something the church does. They step up, and we need to be ready, you know, I'd love for us to be set. If something shook out right here in our own backyard, are we ready as a church, if something happened right now, to say, hey, this afternoon we can be there, we're set to go, whatever is needed? I see so many times we're scrambling, trying to, we have a heart, God's given us a heart to love, to be there for others, but something comes, we're scrambling, trying to figure out how to make it happen. (laughs) You know, let's be ready when things come down the pipe that, hey, we're there, we're good. It'd be cool to have boxes of Bibles on hand. Um, Anyways, we see that believers are generous givers here. So they shared their faith. They were grace-filled. They were generous. I believe a church that is well-taught is a church that lives well, works well, and gives well. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you how practical it is. God, we want to be a church that is um, well-taught, that we are equipped and ready uh, for every good work, whatever you'd be calling us to or asking of us, Lord, Uh, especially when a tragedy hits, people lose hope so quickly, we can get tossed around so easily, Uh, but we have the hope that this world needs. We have the answers, and that's you, Jesus. And uh, we just pray that you'd help us to, to share well or to be on mission, to see the big picture. God, we thank you so much for the examples of, of Peter, of Barnabas, of Paul. Lord, we're learning a lot from these, these saints of old, God, uh, just how they went forth. God, and we see, we see an unbelieving world all around us, God. People that are uh, so desperately lost, Father, and they don't even know it. God, help us to shine bright for you. Help us to win souls for your glory. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Do a little benediction here from the book of Acts. So now, brethren and sistren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Enjoy Memorial Day. Enjoy each other. Enjoy Jesus most of all. Love you guys.